0: Well, what a joy it is to be able to be here this morning. And, uh, you know, I was thinking as he was talking about younger preachers, for many years, I was the uh, younger preacher in the conference. And uh, after a while, that didn't happen anymore. But uh, I want you to know, I appreciate the uh, conference board putting together a camp meeting like we've had. Uh, I usually, before I go to bed, at night. I'm not type of person, I don't, uh, I don't do Facebook, but my wife does, and usually before uh, bed of a night, she's always asked me, why don't you get on Facebook? I said, no, nah, I don't want to get into that. She said, well, why do you ask me every night to tell me what's on there? <laughs> and so last night, she, was, she said, listen to some of these comments that people are making about camp meeting, of how such a great camp meeting it has been, and truly, it has been camp meeting. I really appreciate the ministry of Brother Hans Hess. He's done a, done a great job, and I want to compliment the board again for the uh, job they've done of putting this uh, together. Well, um, we're here this morning to share with you what I feel has been a very exciting thing, and uh, a church that I had the privilege of being a part of for about a year, the uh, uh, Lynn Avenue Church. And then uh, Brother Jimmy Bennett, who had pastored uh, New Beginning Church, what over three years, and uh, we was able to uh, bring these uh, this church together. And if there was any problem during all this, I was I was unaware of it. It just it, I think it was just a God thing from the from the beginning. I want to read to you a scripture this morning. It's found in Acts chapter 2, and then I'm going how long, to... How long can I talk, Bishop? Split got an hour, 10 minutes. Okay, well, okay, thank you very much. Um, Acts chapter 2, I want to begin reading with verse uh, number 41. Uh, the Bible said, Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, the same day, there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. I like that word added, don't you? Yeah. Uh, the Lord's mathematics is addition and multiplication. The devil's is subtraction and division. said, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear come upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles' such as should be saved to those who were being saved let me go back and start as far as I'm concerned uh with my life January 29th 2017 the wife and I spent the last Sunday as the pastor of a church we had pastored for 21 and a half years the Southgate Pentecost Holiness Church and more which we thoroughly enjoyed but I knew uh, several months before that, that it was a uh, time for me to uh, do something else. And God had blessed us with a uh, great ministry. We just celebrated our, back in February, our 50th wedding anniversary. And uh, next, next January, in fact, I have plans right now of going back there to the church I preached my first sermon in in Missouri, we will be celebrating 50 years of ministry and God has just blessed us in a, in a special way. But after we, we left uh, uh, Southgate, we spent the next six months uh, traveling, done a little traveling. And then we had the opportunity of preaching different places. And so I'd made the statement to my wife. I said, well, I don't think I'll pastor anymore, especially uh a long time well you know when you get to be uh 70 years old you know you talk about a long time does that mean 20 or 30 years probably not and so anyway uh i like what brother hans has been and the thing impressed upon my mind more than anything else and probably yours too and that is hearing from god and how many knows god will speak to you if you want god to speak to you but so many times we find ourselves in the ministry, if we don't watch ourselves, we, we decide what we want to do and then ask God to bless it rather than finding out what God wants us to do and then asking him to bless it. And so uh, I told my wife, I said, well, uh, I don't know really right now what, what I want to do. And so uh, Brother Dorrance Manning passed away, I think it was in June of 2017, And so Brother Manning had been a friend of ours for many years. In fact, going back to 1971, uh, the church the wife and I were attending was our home church in Missouri, and uh, we'd been married for about three years and been in ministry for about two years, and Brother Manning came to our church to hold a revival. And uh, Brother Manning, back in those days, was known as the preacher who preached on uh, the baptism of the Holy Ghost as much as any preacher that I, I'd ever heard. A very successful uh, minister. And so we invited him over, over to our house one night for dinner. Back time, him and his wife and their daughter Donna. And so from that time, we'd been dear friends. And when Brother Manning had passed away and I'd heard the situation, well, I asked Bishop if I, if I could go up there and see if I could do something. We only live about 15 minutes from the uh, church. And so I said, let me try it for three months. And then after three months, he gave us six more months. And he finally told me, he said, well, stay there as long as uh, you want to stay. And so God began to bless us from right from the beginning. I think the first Sunday, uh, my wife reminded me we had seven people. And, uh, you know, I thought, well,. You know that's 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 pretty good uh, maybe it's more than i deserved but i remember the first church i pastored uh years ago we had nine people and so i've always considered a blessing if anybody will come and hear me speak and so i've always tried to do my best and so we went up there um july the 16th in uh, 2017 that morning and uh about after two months, then we started church on a Wednesday night. About uh, two months after we had been there, this couple came in, and God just began to show favor uh, just right from the beginning, and we saw some new people come in, and uh, we, uh, uh, we began to see some people saved, and, and the finances began to come together. But this couple came in, and uh, they were probably early 60s because when we started, uh, I was doing all the preaching. My wife was doing all of the uh, work on the musical instruments, since I'm not very much for that. And uh, I was leading. I was leading the worship. And so, uh, anyway, we had this couple come in, and I I asked them. I said, "Now, would you?" They found out they lived right close to the church, and they said, uh, "Brother Justin Blankenship from Purcell told us to come over here. He said he knew you." And said we hadn't been going to church anywhere much, and so they started uh, there and become very faithful members. And in fact, uh, since we've merged, he is one of the uh, one of the board members there at uh, New Beginning, which we call it now. And uh, so his wife, I found out, she was uh, a piano player and a guitar player, and so she started leading the worship. And God began to just uh, send us some uh, different people. And, uh, you know, we were blessed in a special way financially. And after I had been there probably about 11 months, it was my goal when I went there that I wanted to uh, do my best to build the church up and uh, then maybe bring somebody in, a young person, and train them or find somebody who was already trained and turn the church over to them. Well, my son Daniel called me one day, and, and uh, he uh, is on the conference board, and he said, Dad, are you still looking for somebody to uh, turn the church over to? Uh, now, my relationship with my son Daniel has always been just great. We've never had any problems whatsoever. But after I passed out in the pulpit at Southgate, he's always uh, treated me like I was a little bit more feeble than what I am. <laughs> And so he said, "Uh, Dad, are you still looking for somebody to turn the church over to? And I said, well, if I can find the right person. And he said, well, do you know Brother Jimmy Bennett? And I said, I sure do. And he said, well, he said, "Uh, Brother Jimmy, I think if you and Brother Jimmy would get together, you might be able to have uh, two churches to merge. And so uh, uh, he first question he asked me, he said, well, what are you guys going to do? Are you going to be co-pastors? And I said, no, I said, I'll let uh, Brother Jimmy pastor. And I said, I'll be, I'll be his helper. Heard Bishop Oscar Moore say several years ago, he was one of our bishops years ago. And when I came into the ministry back in the PH Church in 1970, Bishop Oscar Moore was then uh, our conference superintendent in the Ozarks Conference. And he said one time a statement that I'll never forget. He said, two heads are a monstrosity. And uh, I thought, well, that's, that's probably true. And so anyway, the next week, the wife and I met with uh, Brother Jimmy and his wife, Sister Amber. And uh, so everything just just went great. And so we decided we would meet with uh, Bishop and Brother Terry, which we did, and everything went great in that meeting. And so I said, well, I would like to meet with the whole conference board and get their approval on this, which we did. And they approved that we would uh, that we'd have a merger. Now at this time, I had never talked to the people at uh, Lynn Avenue about this, and I know Brother Jimmy might have talked a little bit to his people. And so I began to pray and I said, "Now, Lord, if this is what Your plan, I want those people to uh, agree with it." So I went back to the church and I and I began to explain to them what we were doing at that time, we were running somewhere around 20 to 25 people. And, um, you know, the church was, we was bringing enough money that they could pay me a little bit, and they paid all the church bills, and we were able to keep the insurance up to date. And so I mentioned to them about merging the two churches, and I didn't know what the reaction would be because some of those people had been there. In fact, we had a couple, and, and until they got to where they couldn't come about, well, six months ago, they were married in that church, and we celebrated after Brother Jimmy became the pastor. We celebrated their 65th wedding anniversary. But they had been going there all of their life. And so what I did after that Bishop gave me the opportunity to go there, I went to Sister Manning, who's a dear friend of ours, and she lived right across the street. And I asked her, I said, Would you give me some names of people that I might be able to call? And she said, I'll do more than that. I said, I'll help you call them. And so this one guy that who I said celebrated his 65th anniversary, he lived over at Blanchard. He had made the statement he'd probably not come back to church because he and Brother Manning were just like brothers. And he said there was so much memory there. So I called him, and he didn't give me any indication that he would come to church. Well, he was one of the seven that came that following Sunday, And after church, he looked at me, and he said, Brother Ice, he said, now, if you'll make me a promise, I'll make you a promise. I said, okay, let me hear it. He said, if you'll stay here, I'll stay here. And uh, I said, well, I'll stay here as long as, uh, you know, we'll see. But I said, I'll make you a commitment. I'll stay here for a while. And so anyway, um, I went back and talked to the people, and and, uh, I said, well, let's bring Brother Jimmy in. And because uh, some of the people said, well, we're, we're used to you. And I said, well, let's bring Brother Jimmy in. And I said, that'll give you a chance to meet him. So we brought him and his family in one Sunday. And they were so gracious. Brother Jimmy will have to say this. They were so gracious to Brother Jimmy. And Brother Jimmy just fit right in with them. And so uh, we decided uh, to merge. And so uh, uh, Brother Jimmy's church uh, was in for it 100%. And so one... Sunday morning after that I got through uh, speaking, I, uh, I met with the people and I had them to ask questions or give comments uh, about the merger. And I don't think I heard any negative comments because they were excited because I said, well, most of the people here that we've got is older people. And I said, I know Brother Jimmy has got a lot of, of children and a lot of young adults in his church. And I said, I think it'll work together uh, good. And so the people... Uh, unanimously decided that we would merge. And so, you know, you can always be a little bit uh, nervous, but July 22nd of uh, 2018, we brought both of the churches together, and uh, we merged there at uh, Lynn Avenue Church. And because Brother Jimmy uh, had been pastoring uh, uh, New Beginning, and I had just kind of helped this church get back going again best I could, Uh, we decided to adopt the name The New Beginning Church, and that's what it's called right now. I was able to preach that first uh, service of the merger, and then after that, I turned the service over to uh, uh, Brother Jimmy. And uh, I just want you to know, I believe that from the beginning, it was just a God thing. Uh, We didn't have anybody that got mad or got upset. If they did, they spoke behind my back or spoke behind Brother Jimmy's back. But uh, uh, it's, been, it's been a great thing. And, uh, you know, I just give God all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. Uh, Brother Jimmy has had asked me, and, and I was privileged. I've been there with him and uh, serving as pastor for the uh, uh, seniors. And uh, we, uh, we have a class on the Wednesday night that we teach and then uh, I preach every other Sunday night, and the wife and I are over the Connections Group. Uh, but it's just a privilege to be able to be working in the Lord in whatever area, uh, capacity you can serve. But I just want you to know, I appreciate Brother Jimmy Bennett and Sister Amber. Brother Jimmy is a tremendous preacher. His wife, Amber, compliments his ministry. She's a uh, uh, tremendous preacher. Uh, with the kids she's worship leader well about i think it was two or three months after we merged we started services on sunday night and you know people that are not used to having church on sunday night it's like pulling teeth to get them out and so we have started uh doing real good on sunday night in fact the wednesday night services of course it was their pattern with new beginning to uh have a feeding every wednesday night we feed everyone wednesday night then we have uh, children on Wednesday night. We have uh, young adults. We have, uh, we have the uh, teens, and then I teach the uh, young adults. But uh, I'll tell you how God is His blessing uh, the last two Wednesday nights. Of course, it wasn't this Wednesday night since we here at uh, camp meeting. But the two Wednesday nights before that, we had 70 and 71 people on Wednesday night. And uh, we just uh, <laughs> praise God. For um, uh, what he is uh, doing. And somebody asked me, and I want to say this for the benefit of the, uh, uh, the older preachers. Somebody asked me here a while back, said, Well, Brother said, how old are you? And I said, Well, does it really matter? And uh, I said, I'm 69. And they said, Well, do you think you can still pastor a church again? Rather, you know, kind of hurt my feelings at first. And I looked at him and I said, Well, let me give you an answer. I said, uh, I said, uh, how old is Donald Trump? And they said, well, does that matter? I said, well, how old is he? And they said, well, he's in his 70s, 72 or 73. I said, surely I can do whatever it is God has called me to do with his pastoring or whatever, if he can uh, be president of the United States. So, you know, if we're willing, uh, God can help us. But I, I just want to say it's, it's been a, a privilege of ours. I don't know what God has got in, in, uh, in store for us. Uh, if he wants us to continue to help, whatever, whatever God's will is, uh, you know, I still want to do what uh, God would have me to do. And one thing more before I turn it back to Brother Jimmy, my son Daniel called me one day when he was found out that I was going to stay there, that I was going to go to New Beginning, he said, Dad, let me ask you a question. He said, I thought you was retired. I said, no, I just left Southgate. And he said, uh, well, would you make me a promise? And I said, yeah, what is it? Maybe. He said, well, would you promise me that you'll just do what you want to do and have fun? I said, that's what I'm doing right now. Amen. I said, I'm doing what I want to do and I'm having uh, fun. But I'm going to uh, turn it over to uh, Brother Jimmy. And he's going to come and share. But I, I do appreciate uh, Brother Jimmy very much and the work that he's doing i thank god for what has happened and what is happening right now what i feel is uh is is going to happen uh i appreciate the way that brother jimmy has received uh me and my wife and uh you know we just appreciate his family and uh here's a young man that i believe is going to do a great work for god uh, either greater, greater in the future, what he, what he has done in the past, brother Jimmy. Brother ice has been more than a privilege
1: to work with and, uh, he's been a true mentor. And, uh, so a lot of credit goes to brother ice and his ministry. And that's, that's true. Uh, I do want to share kind of our half of that story. Marty just texted me and said, I don't want to hear this story twice, so you better have some new stuff. So that's, I'm going to rat you out on that. But we uh, I'll tell you a little bit about our side. Uh, Brother Ice told you what had been going on at Lynn Avenue. And I had our church about, I don't know, somewhere about a year before the merger had really kind of hit prior merger peak, I'll call it. We'd got up to high 90s in a small building that seated around 85, and we were packed. I mean, it was just, and we were, we were trying to fit people where they would fit, and we had kids and, and a downstairs, almost dungeon-type feeling part of the church, and part of, it had, part of it had leaked for so long that they could not fix the leak in that part of the church, and part of it leaked for so long that they put a floor drain in because they couldn't fix the leak. And our kids had to cross over a river a lot of times to go into the children's church. And that building, we just hit hit the high part of attendance, and we actually started dropping a little bit. I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, what God would do uh, with that. But we, we we were gracious to be able to have the The merger happened and Brother Ice was there to help us. And I just want to bring your attention, if I could, I've just got some notes, I don't got a whole lot, Uh, just keep me on track of my timeline here. Um, But I want to just bring your attention just to Ecclesiastes chapter number four, Sister Angela mentioned it the other night. Uh, And it truly brings back this morning about how the Bible would speak to us. Uh, on behalf of what Solomon would say about, we need each other. And we are better together uh, in in a lot of ways. And so uh, when we took that church and we really hit a ceiling over there, and we did lose about 15 or 20 people because of the capacity of the building, and it just wasn't satisfying our needs and the way parking had to be. And we tried to do things that were creative to help that. But we did just you know the statistics will tell you when you get to seventy five percent capacity, your grunt, your so your your growth will be stunted. We went well past seventy five percent, over into we were well over our capacity, and we really did some unique things with the sanctuary when we remodeled to help us gain back a few seats. We when, when we and we had to remodel the whole sanctuary and we built the altars into the stage because I still believe in altars and I wasn't getting rid of them. Amen. And so we built altars into the side of the stage and that gave us more room there. And so, but, uh, we were fighting that threshold and things that were going on. And so we had started looking for buildings prior to the merge. And one that had come up was a possibility where uh, Brother Dorrance was. And so uh, he was still living at the time that I originally first contacted him. And uh, the church was very low. And they had a great facility. I'm in the facility, it's tremendous over 10,000 square feet and uh, in a good location and I'm very proud of it. Uh, the Mannings were and still are to this day. And, um, so we had contacted him and it just wasn't something that clicked at that moment. And so we had reached out in other ways and it just seemed like the door had shut for those times, but we were trying in every way we could to get into a different building. Um, but, uh, we just had to wait on the timing of the Lord. I've got a few things that's going to help me through the process of the story in form of just notes. And the first one is when it come time uh, to think about a merger when the, finally the contact come in order with Brother Ice it had been a whole year had gone by from the time I had reached out to Brother Dorrance and to the conference about another building before the merger actually caught traction and we started moving for a whole year had gone by. And something in that time the Lord had really put on my heart uh, in questioning and something I want to relay this morning to some that may be I don't know, facing this or thinking about it or contemplating it is, uh, the thought I had to, and it really was refreshed to me this morning, was how well are you leading your church? How well are you actually leading your church right now? So, before the merger had happened, let me give you an insight. Not very many people know because it's almost embarrassing because of how our church was viewed. Our church at that time was viewed as and I think statistically still, we are the fastest growing church in the conference. And, you know, it was, look at what Jimmy Bennett's doing and all this great stuff. And that was wonderful and heartbreaking all at the same time because you didn't want to be, you know, this poster child, if you would, because you haven't, you don't even really know everybody that well. And so it was a weird time because under uh, all the... Um, praise that we were getting, acknowledgement that we were getting. I was struggling so much because as a leader, I was doing, we were running 90 plus and I was doing, me and my wife were doing everything, everything. We led worship. We taught all the classes. Come on, y'all. I know y'all know this. We cleaned, uh, I played an instrument. I preached, Uh, I did, I did, my wife did, my wife did, my wife did. And we had few leaders that did anything. And the few leaders that did do things didn't do things that well. And so we were trying to pick up the slack from where they left it the week before. And the church was doing great. But at a point I began to think, Pastor Marty, how well am I actually leading this church? Am I leading this church or, Brother Dwayne? am I doing this church? Am I the church? Because there's a place where there's two different things. We, we had good numbers in the building we were at, but we weren't a healthy church. I had a church full of babies that would not mature. I had, I had an old preacher in Missouri one time tell me he said, when I was, I did evangelizing for a while and he says, Jimmy, you gotta stop feeding people milk after a while. So, well, how do you know it's time to stop feeding them milk? And he says, when you have to part the whiskers to get the bottle in their mouth then it's time to stop bottle feeding people. And listen, I was at a place where we had a good church going, but under the wraps, I was struggling. I was exhausted all the time. I'd get home and I'd I'd rash out on my kids because I was cranky and, and I hadn't eaten lunch and I was this thing called hangry. And I was just, and I wasn't leading the church properly. So we had gotten to the place where I had made a decision with the Lord. We were about six months in after trying originally reaching out for the merger. We were about six months past that point. What would be another six months before we caught traction. And I made this decision. I said, Lord, if I don't get some help around here, I don't care what the numbers are running. If I don't get help around here, I will resign this church. I'm, I can't do it. I will not sacrifice my family for this "quote-unquote" successful church. And I remember in that time it was hard because I had two churches call me—one, uh, one independently, and one from a conference in our conference in South Carolina—call me and offer me positions. And it was hard because I felt in all my heart that I'm where God wants me to be, but I was struggling leading my church. And they were draining me, and they were draining me. So I said, Lord, if I don't get some help, and you don't make a way for us to do something else, I've I'm gonna, I'm just got to turn it over. I've got to give it to somebody else who can do a better job. So I remember when it come about, Daniel Ice, who's not here, who's on our board, uh, has done great things for this conference just in the short time he's been there. He's helped lead in certain areas, and had come to the time where I had talked to him, and, and he had talked to his, his dad who was there, and he made that initial phone call to make that, that connection. I remember me and Brother Ice, we got together and we sat down at Golden Corral, praise the Lord, where the anointing fell, and we talked about the possibility of it coming together. The next thing that the Lord really put on my heart was not only the question I asked myself, number one was, how well am I leading this church by myself? Not very well. The second thing, as part of the leading into the merger, I had to realize was it was going to take patience. I'd already endured. Me and Bishop had had a meeting where it was a painful year. He, and it, the, Listen, I, we don't need to go and, well, maybe we need to do... You say, why didn't that happen in a year? It, it didn't happen because it wasn't God's time. See, when we went to the facility, we would eventually go there and you had to have patience... Because the facility was a, a great facility, but it was outdated. It was in great shape, but it was outdated. It had red velvet carpet and red velvet pews, and there was, I mean, it was, but when it was remodeled, whatever time in the early 80s, I mean, they did it top notch. It was an amazing shape. We just needed to update it. Had we done that when we first was asked to do it, when we first asked to do it, we wouldn't have been able to remodel the building. We didn't have no money. Part of the miracle, listen, the miracle of the merger was that I was pastoring a church of 80 people, 90 people, somewhere in there, but we were poor. We had no money. There's some in here that know that. you got a good crowd, but you're broke. You have absolutely no money. And I remember praying, Lord, you've got to make a way because we can't afford to add on there's no way we can spend eight hundred to a million dollars to buy a new building. That that won't happen, Lord. We we barely get by to do the feeding program that you have asked us to do, and we're doing it by obedience and you're making a way, but there's no way. So, but by the process of this year that took, God began to give us some money. Uh, we, when we were able to actually merge and that was to happen, we brought with us a church of not just low income, but poverty level members in our church. We were able to bring with us over thirty two thousand dollars in the bank and we remodeled that building complete with a new parking lot paid in full. And it's because we had a hard, patient road. But then when we got there, we had to be patient. It took patience. When we got there, I remember the first Sunday, just me and my family came. We, we left our church on at the other facility and we said, you know, he's going to preach today. I'm going to speak to these people. And it was patience. We sat down and we, we preached and they reacted well and seemed to love us. and um, But... Then we went into the building. Well here's funny, the first thing we did in that building, so we, didn't ha- we had our first service on, Jan- on July the 22nd of 2018, that was a Sunday morning, but prior to that, Thursday, Friday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we had VBS. That was our first thing together. Uh, I was a youth pastor under Dwayne Klepper, and what me and Amber learned at our time there was how to value a VBS. If your church doesn't do some kind of VBS in some capacity, you need to learn to. Something we learned at Friendship was VBS, Vacation Bible School, should be held valuable at your church. And so the first thing we did when we had the doors unlocked for us as church Churches, we had VBS before we had our first Sunday. And I'll tell you, that first Sunday, there was excitement in the building. I want to say we had probably that first Sunday 105, 110, something like that. But because VBS had happened so long, and I tell you, I, I'm, I'm, I'm giving love to my past uh, pastor, but Brother Dwayne's VBS isn't just for kids. They have a meal for their leaders, and they have a wonderful meal for their leaders, and I mean, everybody's talking, and our family still goes there to this day. My boys love friendship vbs and so we tried to model that and we had a meal with all the leaders and the kids so when sunday came around i mean people had already been connected and they loved each other they'd already served with one another which was one of those big deals for me that made a difference that quick was i went from serving all by myself to now we have servants everywhere and the ones that were at lynn avenue that quick Made my young baby Christians grow up because they had examples to go by. But it took patience. For two months, though we had the money sitting in the bank account to remodel, the Lord put it on my heart to not touch anything. We didn't touch the carpets, we didn't touch the, the we, we would eventually put in all new fixtures, and we didn't touch anything to the extreme that when we got there we had 12 nursery babies at New Beginning Church. We and we had a pretty good size. Obviously with 12 babies you could need to have a good size nursery facility. When we went to Lynn Avenue, they hadn't had babies in a long time, long, long, long time. So their nursery was I'm not kidding you, about 10 by 10. And the Lord had put it so strong on my heart don't touch a thing we had 12 nursery babies and two workers in a 10 by 10 nursery. We did that for almost two months. But what we proved to those people that we were merging with is we're not here to run you out and prove that it can't be done the way that you're doing it. We proved to them, you just need some help and it can be done exactly the way you're doing it. With red carpet with red pews, with hymnals, and we proved it to them, and we grew in those two months. We didn't just do nothing and just, just to keep you happy. We wanted to prove that through God, we can do what you're doing right now and still grow. And that made... Someone told me once, people can argue with anything that you're doing, but one thing people cannot argue with is results. They cannot argue with results. And we were proving that, God, we would be patient. You had already put us through a trial time of a year, and we're being patient. Lord, we're doing what we are being asked to do. And so we would stay there, and we would do patience, and then we would have patience, operating patience, and then slowly we did things. We'd, We'd move certain things out. We moved this, we moved that. And we moved at such a snail's pace that the Lynn Avenue people were saying, when are we going to, isn't it time that we, I mean, the, the chairs aren't matching the carpet, Pastor, when are we going to, I mean, we need to. And so then, guess what, who was dictating the pace? And then we're allowing them to, remember sometimes as parents, I've heard, let your kids have the idea and then they'll work with it. And so here's what we would do. We were having patience and we were moving forward. But we had to realize, number three, or number, yeah, patience is virtue. And then we needed to, number three, uh, the Lord put in my mind that we were better together for the future. And I'm going to talk about the future in a minute in a complete opposite order of what you're going to think. Before the merger, the average age in our church was probably 32 years old. Average age in our whole church. We had a big group of youth. We had a big group of kids. I mean, we still today, we average about 30 kids every Sunday. Um, And so we had a bunch of young adults. I had two people over 50-year-old in my entire church, two prior to the merger. The one woman who was the only remaining woman when I got there is still with me to this very day. And she was here for camp meeting Wednesday night. So we needed to merger for our future because they had senior adults and we didn't. Now you'd say, well, hang on, senior adults, that's not necessarily the future. It was for us. Because I, as a pastor, one of the things that was, I was burdened with the most prior to the mergers, we had no elders. We had none. I mean, we had Sister Pat, but there wasn't enough of Sister Pat to go around. We were all babies because we didn't have enough, come on somebody, we didn't have enough senior adult leadership. So the merger, there was senior adults that had no young people, and that's what really completed the church and took us to the next part of me being a successful leading pastor was when I had senior adults that could help me train And I'm telling you, immediately, within one day of VBS, people that would never do anything began to do things. Because they had examples. There was future leadership in our church. And I don't know what diversity there is this morning that may be thinking about this idea. But listen, if you're thinking we need, we just need young adults in our church, or we don't, you need senior adults in your church. If you're a senior adult church and you don't think you need kids, you do. You've got to have them. We are better together. When I first started uh, really considering pastoring, um, the Lord put it on my heart that I would be a a generational gap person. I would help bridge. And... uh, so we've always, I mean, I, I, I was adopted by somebody who should have been my grandfather. And so we just grew up in a house with somebody. And, and so we have that connection there. And, and, I, and I love my father. He, uh, he's done a great job. But we've always felt like we need to do that. And so praying, I said, Lord, if I'm going to be a generational gap person, if I'm going to bridge this thing, I need to know how. And remember one night the Lord gave me this kind of vision, if you would. And I was in this house. And uh, something was lost. I don't remember what it was. Everybody in this house was trying to find this item. And uh, we're all looking around, you know, tipping things over on the floor. We're we're looking in shelves, open closets. And I remember the Lord put in my mind, he says, go to this brother. And he was a senior adult brother. And um, I said, do you know where this lost item is? And he says, I sure do. I know exactly where it is. He says, but, and he, he said something, you know, it's up the stairs in the attic. you got to crawl over the joist and over in the corner is that item. And he says, but the problem is I know where it is, but I can't physically get there anymore. I mean, I can't climb the stairs. I can't go into the attic. I can't climb over the joist. And I can't get there and I said, well, you know, if you'll tell me, I'm physically able and I can get there. He says, well, you know, I'm just not sure. I don't know. You may step on some stuff in the attic and you may push some stuff over and break some things or you may fall. I don't know if I can trust. You. I said, if you'll just trust me, I'll get over there and everything will be all right. And the Lord spoke into my heart that that was at that time the fight we were going through in the church. The the, the presence of the Lord didn't seem to be as strong, especially in the circles that I was in, because the older generation knew how to get there and what it took to break into, get a breakthrough, but they weren't willing to share it with the young generation who had the abilities to do the things that it took. Stand there for hours with your hands up and be on your face before the Lord and cry out to Him. Listen, there's just things that age does not necessarily allow you to do that you once was to do, but we have to... And so there was this place where in my church I said, Lord, the future for New Beginning Church is that we have... A lot of churches need their future to be by the young adults, but God, if you don't give us some seniors, the future of this church will die. God, I'm exhorting exhausted of doing it on our own but God knew all the time what was going on so there was a future something i want to say tonight to you about merging is that you don't underestimate your congregation's capacity for change and vision don't underestimate your congregation's capacity for change and vision We did change worlds slowly in our congregation at Lynn Avenue. They were very traditional. And listen, if you know me well at all, I love hymns. Love them. I mean, you'd be be good, and I'm challenging some of you, to find a hymn that I don't necessarily know. I love them. I lead them still at my church on Sunday nights. Personally, I sing this last Sunday night. I sang and led all hymns. I love them, love them to death. And they were singing all hymns, very traditional. And we have, believe it or not, this February, which is in what, three months, four months, we'll have been in the new building two years. And we sing about 80% contemporary. We do still sing hymns on Sunday morning. But we sing about 80% contemporary with a completely different, I mean, just all new different sanctuary. And here's what I hold to the most. We've seen and and probably just the merger, we've seen probably over 100 people saved. Uh, Great things. We've seen awesome things. But something I hold dear to my heart that the Lord has blessed me with During this merger is we have, even prior to the back, all the way back to taking the church originally. I have not lost one single person. Not one. And I mean I, let me take that back. I don't want that to come across prideful. The Lord has used me and we've not lost one single person. No senior adults. No young people. And I remember I went to Sister Pat one day. We were still in the other facility. I said, Sister Pat, I, I, she loved me. I mean, we, we butted heads right in the beginning. I preached there the first Sunday. It was her and my family, and I preached. And listen, all I know how to, I, all I know how to do is preach. I'm a one-show pony. Okay, I, I just know how to preach and yell and scream and let the anointing fall, and that's it. Okay, the, If you don't want that kind of preaching, don't ask me. Okay, So I show up with one woman in this church and my family. I mean, I just preached. And after church, she says, Pastor Jimmy, that was wonderful. Really enjoyed that. We want you to come back three more weeks, and we'll vote on you. And I remember going, we... It's it's just you, Sister Pat. I don't know that a vote can even be brought together. But I thought, well, we're going to butt heads from now. I mean, it, me and Sister Pat are going to be going at it. But we didn't. We fell in love. She's still with us today. But I didn't. What you could do is say this will never work. I mean, our our styles are too conflicting. This will never work. Listen, if you give God time to work, and be patient, all things can work out. And it did. It has. And and we've come a long way. A lot of us, we we put too much pressure on that our church won't change. They'll never adapt. They'll never... Listen, something I've had to learn is when I'm trying to force it on them, they won't. But when I'm doing it and just letting them observe, and when they observe... That God still moves in this style that he does in this style. That there, that's all they want. Your church, all they want is a move of God. So I remember I went to Sister Pat and I said, Sister Pat, why are you still here? We love each other. I think I can just ask you an honest question. Why are you still coming to my church? And she said, Brother Jimmy, we would not change anything. And we watched this church die So I've made up my mind that I will do whatever it takes that is an agreement with the Word of God to make this church live. She says, my kids come to church and they've never been to church. It's time we change. And so don't ever put on your people that they won't. Now listen, we're not the most contemporary church there is. We have full house lights. We do still sing hymns. I mean, I, I, I've just, and it's part of my heart. I just, I'm, I've got my own convictions and things going on. Nothing against those that are out there. I love Woody Burpo's church and Passion Church and Compassion Church, but my style's not quite there yet. But who's to say that if that's not where God wants you to do, he can't make it happen? You know, I'm sure Noah at one point said, Lord, the lions and the lambs, they won't sit next to each other. It will never, God, I don't care how good you think you are, this will never happen. But God said, you know what, Noah, watch this. I'm going to do something real nice for you. And I believe there had never been a cruise as peaceful as that one had been because Noah just let God do his work. The Bible doesn't say Noah went around whipping lions, trying to keep them in line. He let God work. Be patient and don't underestimate your congregation's capacity for change and new vision when that time comes. If you're not there yet, you're not there yet. But listen, there will be a day all of us have to change and have new vision. Me and my staff, we have a meeting every week and something I shared with them the other day is that there will be a day where I will not enjoy worship. There will be some type of new modern worship that I don't prefer. There, there, listen, if you know teenagers very well, there's this new thing out called uh, Dump Step, or somebody going to lie, I don't know it all that well, and it's almost, it's almost techno, Maybe that help you. It's all just machine-generated beats and music. And it's very popular. There, and I'm, I'm, I'm not being prophetic, and I hope I'm not, because I don't enjoy it at all. There will probably be a day when worship music will be set to that tone. And I'll have to say, Lord, if this is real and this is of you and you're moving in it, God, may I get on the boat and believe you're going to tame the lions and lambs. And we're going to make it to the mountain we're supposed to make it to. And so there's that. Number five, and this was important to me, the last one I'm going to speak about is that we be rational, we, be, we have relational connectivity. We have ra- rational, excuse me, relational connectivity. Relational connectivity. You have to learn to connect with everybody. You have to be willing to go out of your way to connect with everybody. Everybody in your church ought to feel loved and valued. We have not lost one single person from Lynn Avenue because they just couldn't stand it no more. And I'm going to talk about it's been mentioned a couple times we had a couple in our church. Uh, and I say our church cuz that's how I feel about it but they were in the Lynn Avenue congregation prior to the merger. They had gone they had been married in that church and married 65 years gone there the whole time. But Sister Wanda had gone to that church prior to being married since she was a child. So she had probably gone to that church close to 75, 80 years. Attended that church close to 80 years. And we come on the scene. I mean, the pictures we found. Every year we celebrate our anniversary as a church. Another thing we picked up from Friendship. Giving all my keys away. If you want to know how I'm having a successful church, talk to Brother Dwayne, because apparently that's where I'm getting it all. But we celebrate our anniversary every year as a church the year of our merger, we didn't talk about a specific time. We didn't say this was New Beginning Church's fifth year together. We celebrated the anniversary of the churches. We put no number on it. We celebrate the planning of both of these churches back in 1950. And so they had pictures. Let me tell you, the story of that church was that Uh, In 1950, two ladies from what was then known as the Agnew Pentecostal Wholeness Church, these two ladies had a heart to do Sunday school for the kids in the neighborhood that we're in. So the pastor blessed them and said, Okay, y'all, during Sunday school, y'all go hold a Sunday school class uh, in that neighborhood. So they picked where our church is now. There was a big tree, and they had Sunday school in there. started with five kids. Grew to 10 kids, 15, 20, 30 kids, constantly at a 30 kids mark. The, the pastor at uh, Agnew Street, Pentecost Wholeness Church said, God's doing something in you. You need to go start a church over there. So these two ladies and their kids, it was a Sunday school group with two elderly ladies, found a preacher, convinced somebody to pastor them a church, and started with two ladies and a bunch of kids and a pastor, uh, they would eventually start having a full congregation on that property under a tent for two years. They put a tent up every Sunday morning, took it down every Sunday night. And they would grow to 150 people and build the first sanctuary, which is now our kids' sanctuary. And they would have church there. And in 1968, they would build a new sanctuary under Brother Armand Stevens. And then in 2000, they would add on a beautiful new lobby and a gym, which our church loves so much to this day, under Brother Dorrance. But it all started through this relational key. And this woman in our church, who had been there all these years, was one of the first Sunday school kids that come and sit under that tree. And we'd had her, and she was blessing, and she come to me. We ended up giving them a big honor day the last Sunday they could be with us. What was happening was they were driving from Blanchard, and um, her husband, um, Brother Trumbly, would be driving from Blanchard. And one Sunday I got a call from their daughter, and he made one wrong turn somewhere in Oklahoma City, and when he eventually got enough nerve to call her and say he made a mistake, he had wound up in Piedmont. Our church is on Southwest 44th in May. And I remember she called me and says, Pastor, I'm going to talk with them, but I want to talk to you first. I can't, you know, safety of my parents comes first. And we've got to do something. So I remember she talked to them, and they met with me on an off day there at the office. And mm, they said, Pastor, I want you to listen. We love you. She says, but we we can't make the trip anymore. And tears in their eyes. And it was an emotional day when we gave them an honor day and blessed them wherever the Lord was leading them. She said, we went to this church so long and watched it suffer that it hurts that we have to leave now that it's doing so well. And I'll never forget, Sister Trumbly said, we just waited too long to make something happen. And something I've held dear in my heart, everywhere the Lord has sent me in ministry, is I've made relationships the top priority. I hope anywhere that Jimmy Bennett has ever been, whether it's been for five seconds or five years, that people say, that's a good guy. Now, his wife, she's great, but Jimmy, he's a, he's a good guy. Because relationship is key. And listen, in a, in a merger, relationship is top priority. Reminds me that um, Jesus was quoting Old Testament, uh, or maybe it was being quoted about Jesus. They said, may it be the the prophecy be true that he lost not one sheep? I pray, Lord, not out of my own ignorance may it be said that you lost one sheep. Relationship is key. And and, and, and in and in the mergers, in any merger, successful or not, it's because more than likely there wasn't a good relationship in the beginning. Because instead of two leaders coming together, there was one leader and one dictator. I don't care what you think. I'm not even going to ask your opinion. This is how we will do it. This is how it will happen. There, there has to be, and it's been said of some great people that's joined our church, that me and Brother Ice, were, um, we put our pride aside. And, and, I, and I hope that could be said about me. I certainly said that about Brother Ice. There was no pride involved. It wasn't anything about the way we could look. It was about the health of the church. Another key thing that's been said about my church that I hold dear to my heart is Brother uh, W.A. Mills, who is our men's, uh, national men's leader, come to our church. And uh, he was with us during one service, and he told me, he says, Pastor Jimmy, I've tried my very best all service intentionally tried my best to pick out which group was from Lynn Avenue and which group was from New Beginning prior, and he says, I can't do it. And it was because I made relational key, which in turn made my people and Brother Isis think that relational was key. So it's taking moments to invest into your people's life and doing all these good things. And the Lord will bless you. And um, He's got good things. And again, as I'm done, I I finished a little bit early, but um, maybe we can take up some time somewhere else. I just want to reread this to you in Ecclesiastes 4 and verse 9. Maybe it'll help speak a little bit of volumes this morning. It says, Two are better than one because... And there's a reason... The writer here is not a dictator because he gives you the reason behind what he's doing. Remember what Jesus said, I don't call you servants, I call you friends because servants don't know what I'm doing, but I've called you friends and I'm telling you why. Give your, always, whatever you're doing, give your people a why. So he says here, two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow, and that was certainly true in our case. The one had helped lift up the other. But woe to him that is alone when he falls. I don't know, Jesus. In evaluating how well you're doing leadership by yourself in the place you are right now, if you do, and I'm sad but true, if I had resigned New Beginning Church because I had no help because I was their spiritual father and they were infant baby Christians. If I would have left, the church would have went. Pfft. And so he says here, if you woe to him that falls when he alone, for he hath no one to help him. And again, if two lie together, then they have heat, but how can one be warm alone? If you're feeling isolated and cold in ministry where you're at, maybe it's time you reach out for someone else's help in ministry. If it's been in this stale place for way too long, don't be like the Trumblies and say, we waited too long, now we're seeing success and we can't even hang around. But if one prevail against him, two shall stand with him, and threefold cord is not easily broken. Where's the third person come from? One, two already pointing Jesus was highly involved in every step of the way every step something in our staff meetings me Brother Ice would talk about a lot is, is this working for both sides I'd say Brother Ice how are the Lynn Avenue fe- people feeling about this and he'd ask the same thing and then we would ask Jesus now the Lynn Avenue people are liking this and the New Beginning people are liking this but Lord are you liking what we're doing Can I just pray over us today? Lord, I want to praise you and celebrate everything you've done in my life. For Lord, there is not a thing that I've ever done that's been on my own works. But God, it's because I've been submissive to your will. And God, I thank you for everything you've done. From the latest to the greatest of my life, Lord, I thank you for my family. I don't deserve them. Lord, you've blessed me with them. Lord, I thank you for everything you've done. But Lord, as we're taking time to to think on it this morning, God, I I thank you for what you've done in New Beginning Church. God, and I want to take time this morning to thank you for what you've done in every church here today. Lord, that every church that is represented here today had one man or one woman that you gave a God-given vision to and they succeeded and starting a ministry. And God, I thank you for the vision you've placed in their heart. God, I thank you for what you're doing, and how you're carrying on those plans. For Lord, I want to celebrate everything that's ever been started in this conference. Lord, I thank you for Lynn Avenue. Lord, and I thank you for the pastor that planted that church, and had obedience. And Lord, I thank you that in this merger... Lynn Avenue, the congregation and the name and the history has not died. But, Lord, it's strengthened because two have come together. And, God, we celebrate every year, every past person in ministry. So, Lord, I celebrate all that you have done. Lord, and I ask that you would give strength and wisdom to every person in this room. God, that you would delegate to them, God, every amount of thing that they need, every resource that they need. Father, and I ask that you would make a way. Lord, you know that on my behalf and in my story, there was no man-made way for us to have the facility we have now. But God, you opened up the doors. And God, I ask today that you would give patience to every person in this room. But God, you would grant them swiftness to move when you speak. And, Lord, that in this house, Lord, we'd follow our leadership and our our, uh, bishop this morning. God, we thank you for all that you're doing. For, Lord, we love you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you this morning.